Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, January 19th, 2016. Post Norway. great trip. I'll give you a little bit of an update on that. And I am jet lagging hard. Oh man. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ and this is the program. That dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you slow down, slow, slow down, stop. Open up your Bible and compare with the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-proclaimed apostles and apostolettes, and those put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whose stuff we need to be buying to see if what they're saying actually squares with what God's Word really says or if they're just making nonsense up, generally scratching, itching ears and teaching for shameful gain the things that they ought not to teach. This is a program that teaches you biblical discernment as well as biblical hermeneutics, a little bit of apologetics and a lot of sound doctrine, and teaches you how to rightly understand the scriptures by getting you out of it. Yeah, the Bible's not about you. It's really about Christ. It's about Jesus and what he's done for you and uh, making sure to properly distinguish law and gospel and proclaim sin, grace, repentance, forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name, all to God's glory. It's great stuff that we do here at Fighting for the Faith. Now, like I said at the opening, uh, first uh, episode back in the United States. Uh, My wife and I arrived home really late last night, really, really, really late last night. And uh, apparently when you fly back, from Europe, if you leave in the day, you'll you'll land during the day. I mean, so you know, based <laughs> based upon the time, you know, we I think we left at like one o'clock out of Amsterdam, and uh, and you know d- did the long flight back to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, when we arrived, it was like not even three o'clock, and so you know, I, I <laughs> apparently it was only a two-hour flight, um, but l- believe me, it felt like eight, but. Uh, <laughs> I've I've never traveled to Europe before, so everything was a brand new experience for me. And uh, and uh, they have invited me back. By the way, they have invited me back next January to uh, to speak, you know, to the, at the same conference. And uh, and so I'm really excited about that. And so yeah, those of you who are our listeners in Europe, if you weren't able to make it because it was such short notice, and you would like to attend next year, yeah, send us an email. And uh, we'll put you in contact with the the person 
in charge of uh, next year's conference so that you can begin the process of planning. I think the uh, the invitations will go out in April, but anyway. But uh, the the conference was just uh, just amazing, and I I don't think I've ever preached more in such a shorter amount of time in my entire life. Uh, you know, it's so it was like Wednesday, two hour sermon. No no joke. When I got there, uh, Bjorn Storm Johansson, the uh, the guy who's in charge. He he basically said, you know, that uh, a few years ago, Paul Washer had uh, had set the the record, you know, at like an hour fifty six or something like that, and that you know, and that you know, he so he let me know what the medal stand was, you know, there, you know, there was a gold medal at an hour fifty six, and there was a silver medal and a and you know, and a bronze medal, and said if I wanted to make the medal stand, <laughs> I would have to preach for quite a while. So I'm thinking, man, I mean, I. <laughs> I've never, I've never been to a conference, nor you know, a church that has basically said just, just go ahead and just go for it. You know, if you need two hours, you that we're you we're used to that. You go right ahead. And so, yeah, no, it was absolutely amazing. And yes, there will be audio and video available for this in a few weeks. So we're, we're excited about that. But uh, so I I spoke on sola uh, sola scriptura. Spoke on sola fide, sola gratia. Talked about uh, teaching your children, instructing them in the faith. Uh, talked about um, solus Christus, um, soli deo gloria, and uh, the holiness of God. Th- those were all the topics. And you know, so some days it was like you know, a t- a, you know, hour, hour and a half in the morning, two hours in the evenings of preaching. And then between, you know, uh, speaking to the uh, the people who were at the conference, and uh, oh, they were so gracious! What a fantastic group of people! And it's uh, exciting to see, uh, you know, the impact that the gospel is having on uh, on the people of Norway. So really, I just cannot speak highly enough about uh, our experience. Already looking forward to uh, going back next year. Not looking forward to the jet lag, though. Not, not but now that I know kind of what to expect, I mean. Literally, if you follow me on Facebook, then you know that um, uh, a week ago on Monday, you know, when we landed in, uh, and it was, by the way, by the time we landed, it was already Tuesday. We left on a Monday, landed on a Tuesday, and uh, I think we, our plane, uh, you know, left at three in the afternoon out of Minneapolis and arrived at Amsterdam at like six in the morning. And, but it wasn't, my body clock didn't say it was six in the morning. So, you know, it's like, (laughs) I was the walking dead. It was, it was just awful. So, uh, you know, so we had like a day to kind of shake it off and then, you know, before, before I had to get to work. But, uh, yeah, and, and then here on the way home, I mean, oh, man, I, I think we woke up at 6 in the morning to get ready for our flight to, you know, back to, uh, back to the States. And uh, by the time we got to bed last night, my, my wife and I, we had both been up, I think, 23 hours and I had that strange bizarre kind of caffeine you know over caffeinated you know buzz kind of thing going on in my head you know where I was just exhausted and uh yeah I hadn't felt that since I once tried to pull an all-nighter when I was in college but anyway so yeah you get the idea no it was a fantastic trip and uh and uh, cannot speak highly enough about it and excited uh, to release the uh, the the audio and link to the videos when they come available, so you know, stay tuned though. If you uh, are European 
listener and would like to attend next year, the, uh, it'll be next January. So we'll get we'll get details on that as soon as we have it. All right, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's jet-lagged edition of Fighting for the Faith. Yeah, that's probably the best way I could put it. Oh, man. So I come home. Yeah, getting you know, wake up. I get, get to the studio. And, uh, yeah, the heretics didn't go away while we were in Norway. I, I didn't think they would. And... Uh, and so we we have we have some catching up to do. So we we've got to catch up and kind of hear, see if we can put our ear to the uh, the rail and see if we can hear what apparently the Holy Spirit's trying to say, you know, for like 2016. So uh, we got Jennifer Leclaire. Jennifer Leclaire recently made a trip down to Colombia, South America. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, she was allowed to speak to a very large gathering of Colombian charismatics. And apparently the Holy Spirit revealed something just mind-bogglingly profound to her. So we'll take a listen to that. And uh, and then we're going to take a, you know, well, it's really not even a hard turn. It's more like we're just merge onto the next lane. And we're actually going to listen to Cindy Jacobs of, um, yeah, of the New Apostolic Reformation as she gives her annual Word of the Lord for 2016 address. Yeah, yeah. you're all familiar with the State of the Union address here in the United States where the President of the United States uh, comes forward and, and gives his State of the Union speech. Well, apparently, Cindy Jacobs, she, at the beginning of every year, we played audio of this last year. Uh, every year, you know, she's got her supposed, like, something akin to the State of the Church address, but it's the uh, Word of the Lord for the Year address, and, uh, and so we, we've got to... We've got to actually hear her make the formal announcement, you know, at, at the church that she attends as she uh, brings forward what the prophetic uh, apostolic leadership council thingy uh, claims God is speaking to them at this any at this moment, you know, to let us know what's coming for 2016. And then we're going to just do a little compare and contrast, if you would, um, you know, between what Cindy Jacobs is saying and that the Holy Spirit's saying and what Jim Baker is saying that the Holy Spirit is saying. Oh, and what Chuck Pierce is saying that the Holy Spirit is saying. It, the, apparently, the Holy Spirit is uh, saying all kinds of stuff right now for uh, the year 2016. And uh, as we've noted, you know, coming back after the beginning of the new year, uh, strange things that the Holy Spirit is saying. They seem to be self-contradictory, but apparently, you know, everyone's got to weigh in, you know. And even Patricia King, but who we will not be covering today, Patricia King, uh, she, you know, she had this shindig that she put on at one of the local uh, hotel conference rooms uh, out there in the Phoenix area, you know, talking about whatever, uh, whatever the uh, the Spirit of the Lord is saying for the year 2016. And uh, that was quite a fleecing that she engaged in. And I was watching that this morning while uh, nursing my jet lag. And uh, wow, Um <laughs> We'll have to cover that at a later episode of Fighting for the Faith. So, and then in hour number two, we're going to do something we haven't done in a while. We're going to review a Heath Mooneyhan sermon. Uh, and um, the <laughs> name of the sermon, oh man, that he preaches in Notre Dame green, um, yeah, uh, at like a sweat outfit. No, no joke. He's wearing Notre Dame sweats. And uh, he's going to be preaching. And it, the name of it is, I Have Decided to Find My Purpose. I have decided to find my purpose. I have just dis- Yeah, so, that, I mean, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I'll remember that that uh, that old 
that old hymn, right? Yeah, I've decided to find my purpose. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do for today's um, episode of Fighting for the Fur- Faith. Earth. Fighting for the Firth. Yeah, there we go. Jet lag. Jet lag. Yeah, I'm struggling here. So, yeah, today's jet lagged edition of Fighting for the Faith. Our first one back, and we'll kind of ease into the saddle. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to head right to it. And uh, since we're going to begin with a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update, that requires us to do, well, this. Down at an English fair, one evening I was there. When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are, standing in a row. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the showman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roly bowly ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowly ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowly ball, a penny a pitch. Roly bowly ball, roly bowly ball, singing roly bowly ball, a penny a pitch. Yeah, that's right. I've got a lovely, lovely, lovely bunch of coconuts, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the uh, one of the major leaders in the prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate is uh, Jennifer LeClaire, one of the editors of Charisma Magazine. And she recently made a trip down to Colombia, South America, and she was at a very, very large gathering of Colombian charismatics. And uh, she had a direct revelation from God the Holy Spirit to share with the people of Colombia. And... <laughs> Let's just say I was underwhelmed. I hope you're sitting down. Here we go. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you. Estoy feliz de estar acá con ustedes. I was telling you all on Friday night. Yo les estaba contando el viernes por la noche. That the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. All right, so she's claiming direct revelation from God the Holy Spirit. Now, she, apparently, she's got like a an important announcement from God the Holy Spirit. This is really huge, folks. Uh, yeah, this is just ginormous. I mean, this will be earth-shattering uh, revelatory information from God the Holy Spirit for the people of Colombia. Santo habló a mi corazón. And he told me this. Y esto fue lo que él me dijo. That Colombia. Que con... That Colombia. Oh man, I can hardly stand uh, the tension. I mean, can't you feel it's palpable? I mean, oh, the buildup here. That Colombia is. What is it, Jennifer? What is Colombia? Colombia is the drumbeat. Es el tambor que está sonando. Latin America. Para oh wow, that's the what the. Whoa, man, they flew her all the way down to Colombia. <laughs> Do you hear from the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit's big announcement is that Colombia is the drumbeat of Latin America. I, I wonder which uh, Latin American country is the, uh, the, uh, the uh, you know, lead guitar um, player for the uh, for Latin America. And then, then you got to think, you know, you know, what, you know, there's all kinds of different instruments they play, you know. Uh, so, you know, you, who's the bass player? Who's the lead singer for Latin America? I mean, so apparently God the Holy Spirit is sending 
uh, people from the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate out to announce the the different band positions that uh, the different <laughs> that the different uh, Latin American countries are playing now. So Latin, so Colombia is now playing the the drummer. You know they're going to be leading the drum beat for Latin America. That's just amazing. Listen to the reaction from the people in Colombia as they learn from God the Holy Spirit that. Uh, Columbia is now the, the drumbeat of Latin America. Here we go. America. Oh, yeah, they're going crazy. What are you doing here in this church? Una vez que uno está aquí en esta iglesia. You're making a way for the Holy Spirit. Se está creando una oleada para el Espíritu Santo. In the nations. A través de todas las naciones. And this morning I saw a, a river of fire. Y esta mañana... <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> It's like she's just winging it here. Okay, so uh, so so uh, Colombia is the drumbeat of Latin America. I'm, I'm hoping for Mexico to play the uh, the guitar. You know, they, you know, they do a fine job there. And uh, and now she's she saw a vision of um, um, a river of fire. Hmm. Well, that ain't good. Yeah, that, that can mean only one thing. It's something's burbling up from the lake of fire itself and boiling over. Yeah. Flowing from this altar. Ah, so river fire flowing from the altar there in Colombia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the satanic symbolism is uh, quite palpable. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Yeah, way to go, Holy Spirit. Thanks for letting us know that Colombia was the drumbeat of Latin America. Yeah, you can just see the Holy Spirit going, Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still picking some of the other band members. Um... You know, it's really difficult. There are just such talented musicians down there, and uh, yeah. But uh, Columbia clearly are the best drummers out there. Yeah, yeah, that's why I picked them. Jesus is exalted in this place. Jesus is exaltado in este lugar. This is a very, very special place. Este es un lugar muy, muy especial. Hallelujah. Wow, I wonder how much they paid her to say that. Anyway, wow, so there you go. Direct revelation from God the Holy Spirit. Columbia is now the drumbeat of Latin America. We're still waiting uh, further announcements from the Holy Spirit on the other band members out there in Latin America. So, yeah, wow, that was just... um, Better move along. I've run out of words because I can't believe they posted that on the Internet. as some amazing landmark watershed announcement from God... Holy Spirit. Moving along. Chief, babe, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we Time for a new apostolic reformation update. Take over the world. The pinky and the brain. Yes, pinky and the brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. They're pinky, they're pinky and the brain, 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 brain. Before each night is done, their plan will be unfurled by the dawning of the sun. They'll take over the world. They're pinky and the brain, yes, pinky and the brain. Their twilight campaign is easy to explain. To prove their mousy worth, they'll overflow the earth. They're pinky, they're pinky and the brain, 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 brain. brain. 
right, for those of you who don't like hearing uh, Cindy Jacobs scream, um, well, my apologies. Uh, what you're going to hear is just going to be like nails on the chalkboard. But, you know, it's time for the uh, State of the Church address. You know, the word of the Lord for 2016. She gave us a, a preview of what to expect over there at uh, generals.org, and uh, we played her her video previewing the upcoming announcement of the uh, word of the Lord for 2016. This is the year of the turnaround, apparently. And uh, here, here's Cindy Jacobs to make her official announcement. Yeah, that's right. Here we go. Were you ready to hear the word about the tide turning? Come on, are you ready? Come on, let's shout into God a little bit. Yeah, no, I'll pass. Thanks. 2016, the year the tide turned. Now, we already noted that last year was the turnaround year. So apparently we've got we've done a 180 and now we've done another 180 and now we've done a full 360, which is not good. I mean, that just can only mean one thing. We're all doomed. Yeah. As we met, actually, in this facility of Trinity Church, we're giving this message from Cedar Hill, Dallas, which is South Dallas. We met with a roundtable of prophets in this church, and the transcript was 105 pages. And, I mean, they started, Gabriel started playing, and they started prophesying, and, you know, some were, some were here that were at the meeting. I think about eight hours later, it was amazing how what happened. And uh, the word of the Lord was so good, I'm going to include some of that in this report. But actually, Mike had this scripture, and it's, So shall they fear the name of the Lord and his glory from the rising of the sun. Now listen to this. When the enemy comes in like a flood. Now don't be surprised if the enemy comes in like a flood. He's just doing his evil job. I mean, he's going to be true to his nature. He's mean, he's the father of lies, he hates you, don't think he's ever going to like you, don't think you can declare daytime. Now, notice that she's claiming it, she's bringing the word of the Lord there at Trinity Church. Um, I don't see an open Bible, like not at all. And say, oh, Mr. Devil, I'm not going to bother you, so don't you ever bother me, you know, you know, forget that mess. You are the enemy. Amen. But he is the enemy. Uh, I'm the enemy of, oh, yeah, the enemy of the enemy. Got it, yeah. But listen to this word. When the enemy comes in like a flood, get excited. Uh, okay. Because something supernatural is getting ready to happen. The spirit of the Lord will, not might, raise up a standard against him. How I love that. I tell you what, I looked up, what does change the tide mean, the tide turning? You, you look that up. Um, yeah, did you consult a Bible dictionary, a Hebrew lexicon, a, a, a Greek lexicon? Yeah, I'm not familiar with any tide turning passages in Scripture. It means to change the direction completely or reverse the direction or a divine reversal. Uh huh. Or a divine. Where did you get that? What is the reference book that you used for getting the um, meaning of the tide turning? Could you share with the group, please, there, Cindy? 
what does that mean? You're in a place where you can't find a job. You're in a place where, you know, everything bad is happening and, and you're fighting sickness and you're fighting disease or whatever it is. And all of a sudden there's a suddenly, say suddenly. Okay, ears bleeding. Yeah, suddenly my ears are bleeding. Wow. <laughs> Night. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> so this is uh, quite embarrassing. But uh, so um, so she looked up what uh, tide turning means and uh, come up with dubious definitions for sure. But, uh, you know, she claims this is a word of the Lord. So, you know, everybody knows that when you have the word of the Lord, you got to look up what the words mean. <laughs> so, yeah, she's she's exegeting this apparent word from God. All of a sudden, there's a suddenly, and it turns in your favor. Yeah, all of a sudden, there's a suddenly. Woof! You know, things just turn in your favor. Now, listen carefully to what she's saying. Apparently, everything's going to turn in our favor in the year 2016. Yet, uh, 2015 was the year of the turnaround. Tell you what, that's what's going to happen. That's what It's going to be an amazing year. I think you can almost say we're tag-teaming on last year. Oh, I see. So rather than doing a full 360, we're just going to tag-team. All right, so 2015 was saying, hey, this is the year of the turnaround. 2016, God says, hey, this is the year of the tide turning. And 2015 says to 2016, here's the baton tag. Take it. Go, do, go, you just keep doing the thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. You know, so this is very important. Satan wants to destroy you. John 10, 10. I, the thief doesn't come, to, does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, uh, referring to false teachers like yourself. Yeah, that's what that's referring to. Have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. What does that word abundantly mean? Well, you look it up in the... Yeah, um, I don't think you know what the word is. It's a penrison, and uh, it means, uh, well, an excess or an abundance. It means like mega abundance. Yeah, you didn't obviously look that up in a Greek lexicon, did you? Sometimes things will happen in my life, and I'll say, oh, no, this isn't my, this isn't God's plan for my life. Uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not sure what to make of this. So apparently when things come along in your life that you just don't think is in the in the cards for how God would have things go in your life, apparently that's in contradiction to John 10, 10. You can do something about it. What do you do about that, uh, Cindy, when that happens? I'm called to live an abundant life. Uh, right, yeah. So how do you pull that off? This isn't of God. And I'll look around and say, okay, God, then how do I get into the abundance? What is the strategy? What do I do? I mean, many times, you know, in the ministry, we'll look at bills, 50,000, 100,000. We owe the next day. I have no way to get that money. So you have to look. Really? You have... In your ministry, you got bills that say, yeah, you got $50,000 or $100,000 due tomorrow. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's like a significant part of the annual budget of Pirate Christian Radio. And glad I don't have those come due on a, you know, like tomorrow. Yeah, we'd, we'd be toast. How to get into the spirit. You have to learn to go higher. We have to learn to live in a higher place. Now, let me tell you what some of you do. You don't pray, you whine. You complain. Oh, Lord, I've been such a good person. Why do all these bad things happen to me? 
God can't bless any of that. Where is she getting any of this? Your complaining does not impress God. You ever had a complaining, whining kid following you around? Do you want to give them anything? Absolutely not. You want to say, go to your room. We've got to be one that comes and say, oh, Father God, I thank you. You're a good God. I thank you, Lord, that right now at this moment, I'm getting the strategy I need. Father, I thank you. I'm going to live in abundance. I thank you that this is not your plan for my life. Yeah, that's the opposite of prayer, lady. Um, yeah, what you're describing, that that's not prayer. I, I That's just nonsense. That's presumption. Yeah, and sounds like you went to the Joel Osteen School of uh, Hermeneutics and Narcissus. Wow. So there you got you kind of get the idea of um you know what the year of uh, 2016 is going to look like according to uh, the word of the Holy Spirit in the in the mouth of the prophetess Cindy Jacobs. I'm pretty sure God the Holy Spirit ain't talking to her, but uh, we're going to check in when we come back from the break with um with Chuck Pierce from Glory of Zion and as well as Jim Baker to see what they are saying, you know, 2016 is going to be uh, all about. So Stay tuned uh, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith. You can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we have Chuck Pierce as well as Jim Baker on whatever the spirit's speaking to them. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss them. We'll be right back. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Welcome, George Hayworth and Raymond Stewart. Whoa, dude, your GPS knows, like, who's getting in the car and stuff? Yeah, you know, it's like the newest model. My dad works for some big technology company called Cyberdyne. And, you know, he gave it to me as a birthday gift, but, man, it's so smart, it's, like, really creepy. Huh, okay, man, this it's cool. I guess we're going over to Luke's house, then? Yeah. Hey, GPS! What can I do for you? Could you, like, plot our route to Luke's house? Plotting route to Luke's house. There is an accident on the I-95 freeway approximately 10 miles from your current location. Do you wish to take the side streets? Well, I guess we're gonna have to. Yeah, 
Go ahead and take the side streets. Recalculating. And run away, dude! In 300 feet, make a left turn. So, Ray, what'd you think about the sermon last Sunday? Yeah, I thought it was okay, I guess. Okay? Dude, it like totally changed my life. What do you mean, bro? In half a mile, make a right turn. Well, I was meditating on the whole Jesus died for me thing. And then I realized that by doing that, Jesus was saying to me, Dude, you are so worth it. Yeah, I know that, man. Yeah, but it's even better than that. Really, man? Like, how so? Well, think about it. Not only does Jesus' death prove that I was worth it, well, that also means that I have some ridiculously important dream destiny that I'm supposed to fulfill. How do you figure? Well, Jesus is the Son of God, right? Right. Well, that means it wasn't some third-rate angel that died for me, right? Yeah, you're right. Turn right in 500 feet. Fact, Jesus, he's like the most important dude in the whole universe. And if Jesus is the most important dude in the whole universe, well, he wouldn't waste his time dying for a nobody. So, the way I figure, that means I must really be a somebody. And and that means that the reason why Jesus died for me is so that I can accomplish some ridiculously important destiny. I mean, after all, important people don't waste their time dying for unimportant people. Make a right turn in 50 feet. All right, dude. I think I'm tracking with you now. So I'm thinking, I've got like some uber cosmic destiny that I've got to achieve. I bet there's some planet on the other side of the galaxy that I'm the one that's supposed to save it. You've just missed the turn. Recalculating. So does that make you like Luke Skywalker or something? What? <sighs> Not even. I mean, I've got to be way more important than Luke Skywalker. In 500 feet, please make an illegal U-turn. So you're like Yoda. Don't insult my greatness, dude. Remember, the son of God died for me. Whoa, 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 dude. Like, who would be greater than Yoda? I feel like I'm being ignored. The force itself. Dude, you think you're as important as the force? That would make you like, God. Now you're finally starting to see the light, dude. You morons. You are both wrong. You are both sinners who truly deserve death and hell. You're not God. You're not the Force. You're not Yoda. And you're certainly not Luke Skywalker. You're just two guys who are ten feet from the edge of a very treacherous cliff. Oh, well I guess if I was a god I would have seen this coming. Now you're finally starting to see the light. Too soon? This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. 
Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Faith Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas is having a Biblical Worldview Conference February 5th and 6th, 2016 with the theme, Standing Firm in a Hostile World, to help Christians in a culture that is increasingly hostile to Biblical Christianity. Speakers will include Pastor David J. Weber, Attorney Mark Stern, Professor Alan Quist, Dr. Adam Francisco, and Pastor Joseph Abrahamson. Registration and details can be found at worldviewsa.org. Again, that's worldviewsa.org. Listening to Fighting for the Faith could convince you that uh, many of the people out there claiming to be receiving direct revelation from God the Holy Spirit are not. And that would be a good thing. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio, and that means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions, in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us. That's right. It's a partnership. Visit our website. FightingForTheFaith.com. When you get there, you will see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank. That's right. You get to pick your rank. Lowest rank on our crew is a powder monkey with a commitment of $9.95 a month to support Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Gunner's Mate, $24.95. Master Gunner, $49.95. Quartermaster, $99.95. And like I said, and I have been saying, we are still in the hunt to try to get to the equivalent of 600 new crew members, new powder monkeys. So if you don't already support us, visit our website, Fighting for the Faith. Click on the Join Our Crew button and join our crew so that we can not only keep doing what we're doing, but also prepare to launch Phase 2. The Fighting for the Faith Pirate Christian Radio website. Yeah, I'm excited for Phase 2, by the way. And we're just patiently waiting to be able to afford it. Yeah, that's right. We run a tight ship here and uh, stay out of debt. That's kind of what we do. And, of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution in order to uh, support us, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button. Or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344 Grand Forks, North Dakota. Zip code 58208, and let me thank you for your support, because we truly, honestly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, we are still under the the general rubric of the, um, of the New Apostolic Reformation, and we're going to switch gears altogether, and we're going to head down to glory of Zion, uh, to their prophecy central, to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say about the year twenty. 16 and see if it jives with what the Holy Spirit is saying about 2016 to uh, people like Cindy Jacobs. But keep in mind, Colombia, they are the drumbeat of Latin America. Still waiting to hear who the guitarists are. But anyway, here's uh, Chuck Pierce to, uh, well, warn, give us a warning via the dreams that Rebecca, Rebecca Faubion has uh, had. Here, here we go. 
Rebecca came to me this week and she's had a dream every night this week and it's been amazing but the first one she shared with me had revelation that I need to prophesy for us so we have a record of it for this year publicly. All right, so Rebecca's going to share with us her dream. So um, in my dream, I was, Nathan and I, my husband, were um, in on House Hunters International, which is a television show. <laughs> really? We're going to take church time to uh, let you uh, have the microphone and tell us your dream. Yeah, apparently, you've been watching a little bit too much television. And we were looking for an apartment in yeah. Paris. Yeah, in Paris. And um, House Hunters International, you know. Uh, now I, I've I've been to Europe, so you know, <laughs> first time, yeah. Um, I knew it was Paris because the woman who was taking us around I recognized from the TV show, and then she took me by the Eiffel Tower, and I was like, "Oh, I'm in Paris. That's weird." I woke up from that dream, and I fell back to sleep, and I was still in Paris. Notice the sappy music playing in the background. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression. This is legitimate. You know, this is legit. And it's from the Holy Spirit, you know. Only this time, I was baking a dish to take to my son's school, which was an international school. And I was going to meet the teacher. An international school in Paris. All the teachers at the school. And I left my apartment, which I didn't see the apartment yet at that time. I just knew that I was leaving it and was walking through the streets of Paris to get to the school. And Amber calls me and she and Daniel were staying at our apartment. And she says, there is an intifada, intifada decreed. So we are heading to the school because the school is safe. Uh, And it's a fada, right? Yeah. Okay. And I thought, an intifada, that's a very specific word. But all I was really worried about was that my dogs were in the apartment. Um, And then I went to the school, and it was an enclosed courtyard, and Samuel was playing uh, British soccer football. And he, and I was talking to one of the teachers. And the teacher looked at me, and he said, parlez-vous français? And I said, no. And he said, oh, well, you had two months to learn French. You should have learned it. Yeah, what were you waiting for? The Antifada apparently is a, um Arabic word. Literally means tremor or shivering or shuddering. Mm-hmm. There's been an Antifada. You should have been prepared. And I thought, well, that's rude. Um, and then I woke up. And I was like, okay, this is getting a little weird. So then I fell back to sleep again, and I was... Yeah, what's really weird is that they're giving you the microphone at some place that calls itself a Christian church, and this is what people are hearing rather than the Bible. In Paris again, still. Only this time, I was in the apartment that we had rented. And it was a beautiful Parisian apartment, exactly what you would imagine an apartment should look like in Paris. Just not like the kind of thing you'd see in House Centers International. Except in the center of the room, there was a, an old um, mantle fireplace. And all of a sudden, the mantle opened up, and Samuel came out of it. And it was a safe room that had been used during the war for Jews. 
And I thought, and I knew that's what it had been used for. And then I looked out over my balcony and into the sky, which was a night sky. And I saw outlined as if someone had drawn it, a constellation. And I looked at Nathan and I said, look, I can see the constellation outlined of Sagittarius, which is at, used at, um, in, this, in September. That's when Sagittarius shows up in the sky. All right, so Intifada for France yeah, issued uh, sometime between now and September, apparently. Uh, God the Holy Spirit has spoken. Apparently the turnaround uh, tide-turning year thingy uh, that the Holy Spirit has decreed, it doesn't apply to those of you in France, uh, those of you listeners of Fighting for the Faith in France. Uh, Intifada, yeah, apparently is uh, the word by September, yeah. Wow. Now, hear carefully. Um, okay, I was carefully listening, yeah. And all of you in France that are watching, stand up. And I don't think this is just for France. I think it is a word to test the world. One of the things I told... So, word to test the world. So, apparently, the, the word for 2016, according to the folks there at Glory of Zion, is intifada. Well, Rebecca is somebody... Prophets have to start rising up in the next generation that speak to the world. Yeah, what are you guys waiting for? Yeah. I mean, you can't just leave that I'm eventually not going to speak to the world. And I see God giving revelation. He doesn't do anything without first telling his prophets. Yeah, that's out of context and not applicable in the new covenant. To a generation that's going to have to become bold. I'm going to prophesy this, then y'all move us into the next song, and then we'll move forward. All right, so here comes the official prophecy from the dream that we just heard from Rebecca. And the Lord would say to you, these are days of great change, so prepare yourself. All right, so uh, the tide turning. See, I told you. Told you guys that last year, you know, Cindy Jacobs said it was the year of the turnaround. So that's a 180. And, you know, and that was a 180 from bad things. And this is the year of the tide turning, which means, oh, yeah, we're heading into, you know, dangerous territory. So now now the Holy Spirit's saying that this is perilous kind of stuff going on. Yeah. I say I will give you ample time of preparation. I say by Feast of Tabernacles of this year, there will be intifadas that rise throughout the earth. Now, in intifada, intifada, intifada in the pot. Intifada is a very specific word. It is uprising of military uh, expressions from the Arab world. The Lord says intifadas will start arising. I say to France, I am giving you ample warning. And to the Jews in France, you must know to hide yourself in days ahead. <laughs> no way. Okay, so uh, those of you who are genetically Jewish, uh, this year is the year of going into hiding. You know, the, the, the word of intifada has now been... Declared. Wow, this doesn't sound like at all the 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 happy, you know, abundance that uh, Cindy Jacobs was talking about. And it was weird because Chuck Pierce and Cindy Jacobs are like friends. Hmm. It's as if 
neither of them are hearing from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is totally contradicting himself. For I say there will be great movement that comes through France by November. So I say to you, this is a time of great change. So I'm calling the watchman on the wall to watch. I say to Israel, prepare yourself. Calling the watchman to watch, right, yeah. Self, for you will start. He's calling the shepherds to, you know. Sheep, yeah. Increasing by the end of this year in ways you've never increased before. I said, so get to increasing, would you? Get ready, for you will not only know the nations that are coming in, you will begin to be a part of bringing the nations in. What does that even mean? I say to America, prepare yourself for what occurs in France will then double in this nation. All right, so we got double intifada coming here to the United States. Double intifada. I mean, this is just terrible. What are we going to do? In the year ahead. So I say to you, I am warning you now. No, I will keep the next generation safe. I will cause mothers to rise now and begin to hear. And I will cause those that will prepare a way for my people and the movement of the earth to already come into place. I say to you, no, now, 20. 2016, I am involving the earth in creating highways, and I... God's creating invol involvement in the earth and creating highways, yeah. Yeah, the uh, spirit that uh, Chuck Pierce always seems to tap into is, like, incapable of actual sentences. So there you go, folks. A double intifada for us here in the United States. Just normal level intifada, you know, by the Feast of Tabernacles. For those of you in France, if you're uh, genetically Jewish, yeah, you got to find a place to hide. I mean, that's all there is to it. So, um, I mean, this is just bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Has absolutely nothing to do with God, the Holy Spirit. But these people think that... Uh, um, th that uh, Chuck Pierce and uh, folks like him are actually hearing from God when, in fact, they are not. Moving along, we have a Jim Baker update, and uh, our update music for that is uh, William Tapley's Doom and Gloom. Here we go. Doom and Gloom, coming soon. Listen to 30. is telling us the end is coming soon very soon you'll see signs up in the sun and stars and moon doom and gloom very soon rapture comes at night or noon doom and gloom very soon if you're ready you will meet the bride and groom bum 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 there we go william tapley uh singing doom and gloom coming soon and so, uh, well, let's take a listen to um, what <laughs> Jim Baker of the Jim Baker Show claims is uh, coming down the pike for us in the year 2016. And we've basically got this in two segments, if you would, two parts. Uh, Jim Baker claiming that he had a vision of fire. And uh, this is then going to have some impact, as you will hear from another segment, uh, for those of you of military age, you know, young enough to actually be part of the military, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I may, might want to put this in your calendar. The draft is going to be uh, reinstated here in the United States. 
Yeah, I wish I was making that up. Here's Jim Baker to explain. I had then a few nights later, you know, and I absolutely know the difference between a God dream and a mm-hmm. dream dream. Sure. Plain dream. Right. I just know the difference. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You know, God's dreams are almost high definition. <laughs> I mean, I know them. I know them and I remember them. And you remember the details. Yeah. 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 The next few nights later, I had the dream. I saw a city on fire. Billowing smoke. I could see smoke all around the city as the city was on fire completely. But the unique thing, it was belching out. Uh, part of the smoke was black, pitch black, like with tires burn, you know, rubber. In, in a, you know, you ever seen a big pile of tires burning? And so oil maybe it was, I don't know what the black smoke was. I, I still don't know. No, I just, it was a horrible fire. But I know there was cars burning, oil tanks exploding. There was extreme black smoke. It was so toxic, so bad. People were fleeing the city. The people were in every means of transportation. Buses were packed to the scene. I mean, human beings on top of each other. Just they, anything to get in, to get out of this major city. The people were desperate to escape the fire. Some... Uh, like in the, was there an intifada involved? I, I'm curious. Front of a truck, which would be the the front end of a semi truck, just a cab. There'd probably be I don't know how many. I, I estimated 15 people. They were just jammed in like sardines. Yes. They were desperate. It was crazy. It was crazy. People were trying to escape this horrible catastrophe. I could see the people up close pouring out of the city. I saw a lot of people that had black skin. So I don't know if it's if if it was an ethnic part of a city or or, or I don't know I don't understand all of that but because I could zoom in like almost and see the the faces of the people so I felt that maybe they were even streaming out of inner cities because of, otherwise people would probably be in their own cars but these people were on buses they were in any kind of train not train but bus the the truck the any anything that would would hold people they were coming they were streaming trying to get out but it was on fire when i say it was on fire it Tim, was that's, hideous that's very similar to the dream I mean, not the dream the vision the lord gave me in 1998 when i said tvn i saw an american city on fire i saw the bill this is rick wiles smoke and i saw refugees that's what i saw i saw people they were they were on foot. They were staggering out of the yeah. city, and they had this dazed zombie look on their face, like they couldn't believe they survived what happened. Mm-hmm. And they had I remember one that one person was pulling a wagon, you know, with family members in a mm-hmm. little red wagon, and another person was pushing like his mother or grandmother in a wheelbarrow. Notice the sappy music playing in the in the background. Again, emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression. This is legitimately from the Holy Spirit. And people were just trying to get out of the city. And and so that's that's the same image. And this is God is speaking to people every day. My my email box is full 
of emails from people who've had similar dreams. Yeah. And God is speaking. It's, it's a warning. So apparently God is speaking and giving us a warning. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, doom and gloom coming ahead. But uh, apparently Cindy Jacobs didn't get the uh, the message, and, uh, and neither did Stephen Furtick. I mean, this is the year of the crossover, according to uh, Stephen Furtick, and he's preaching on you know, how, you know the different steps necessary that you, you need to do in order so that you can cross over. But uh, Jim Baker then in another segment continues, and listen to this continuation. Apparently, uh, you know this. This attack that, you know, that he's, you know, this major city burning it on fire. Well, this is going to lead to something here. Jim Baker explains. I've had several dreams the last few hours, the last few days. And they're strange. But I'm, I'm going to share it with you. Yeah, I, I had some pretty weird dreams, too, uh, last night. But then again, I have jet lag. Uh, I saw... In a dream, young people, I would say teenagers, maybe, maybe 20-year-olds, and they were, they were crying. And God says, in the future, I do not know the timing, he said, Things are going to get so bad soon that the draft is going to be reinstated. In the- uh, so there you go. He's claiming direct revelation from God. Now, the draft is going to be reinstated. You know, of course, the, over there, the uh, Jim Baker show, they actually believe World War III has already begun. Although I can't seem to open up m- the uh, local newspaper here and find the big troop movements and, you know, which... What are the different, what, you know, who are the good guys and bad guys in this uh, this world war that is already raging? The States of America. And the, the kids that have to go to war don't want to go. They're not ready. They're not ready mentally, physically, let alone spiritually. Yeah, so, you know, hey, you know, there's going to be a major U.S. city on fire. Uh, Chuck Pierce says it's the year of Intifada. And, uh, you know, hey, they're going to reinstitute the draft. Uh, that's what God told Jim Baker. So you better start buying some, you know, food buckets. Um, yeah, 3500 bucks will uh, be able to feed you and your and a significant other for, you know, three and a half years. And, he, and, and I wrote it down. They were crying as draft was being reinstated, and it was a time of great confusion. Actually, God gave me that word confusion other times over the years. Yeah, I think this is a lot of confusion on your part, Jim, for sure. You ain't hearing from God. But this time... Oh, and by the way, even if if the draft were reinstituted tomorrow, this doesn't mean that God the Holy Spirit is speaking. Because Jesus himself warns in Matthew 24 that the false prophets would be able to perform great signs and wonders to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Just because somebody gives a true prophecy doesn't mean that the source of that prophecy is God the Holy Spirit. Is great confusion in America. Do you understand what I'm saying at all? I mean... uh, 
Yeah. You knew, I, I think I told you about it yesterday. Yeah, that one scares me. Yeah, you know what? It's not. I'm praying you won't go. You know, it's not just going to scare the young people, Jim. It's going to scare the parents of the young people. But it's going to because they're not even prepared. Actually, I believe they're going to be drafting some. Not thank God, I don't think they're. Yeah, Jim, you're scaring people right now because you claim that God told you this. Uh huh. Draft eighty year old guys, (laughs) but but uh, you know they they will do what they have to do in the calamity yeah the hell that we have brought upon ourselves because we have cursed god yeah so yeah by the way the jim baker show they do claim that in the year 2016 the great tribulation begins in march yeah yeah what are we gonna do here so you know so this is the year of the intifada the some major city is going to be attacked and draft reinstituted we have mocked God. Now, I'm just repeating, so please don't kill the messenger. But we need to prepare. Because perilous times are coming. You say, Jim, I don't believe that. Well, tell that to God. That's a God line. Perilous times will come in the last days. If this- uh, Yeah, um, the thing is, is, how do you know this is the last day, uh, the last of the last days? The last days, we're sure missing a good chance for him to come. Yeah. So if this isn't the last days, we're missing a good chance for them to come. That's a weird way to talk about the last days. You know, oh, man, we missed a great opportunity for the last days. It's just nuts. You know, in the end days, it, it talks about how Israel will stand alone and the nations will rise up against her. So if you saw this vision of the end times of people being reinstated in the draft, I wouldn't be a part of that. I'm not going to be a part of standing against God's people. I mean, if this is an end times war. Yeah. Now, Israel has the draft. No, I'm they saying draft, No, I'm just saying that. Yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. You know, we can't destroy Israel. We can't be a part of destroying Israel. Yeah. Right. Right. Israel's. So apparently, not only is the draft going to be reinstated, but the purpose of the draft is to raise an army to destroy the nation of Israel. Really? Really? In alone, practically, at this time. The only people that are going to go to rescue Israel is people who want to use them for some reason. So is that why you're saying, Zach, that this, what, what Jim is saying was, there was that he said he saw, he has it written down here for us, the producers do, I saw Jim is saying he saw, you saw in your dream, your vision, young people crying as draft reinstated, comma, was time of great... No, she's exegeting um, Jim Baker's dream. What has happened to Christ's church? That people are listening to this and think this is a word from God. All of these words from God contradict each other. You got Cindy Jacobs saying, oh, the, the prophets have spoken. It's the year of the tide turning. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, suddenly you're suddenly is going to appear. Yeah. And uh-huh. and then you got, you know, crossover. And then you got the um, Intifada. And the year of the draft is going to be re- Oh, this is just none of these words of the Lord seem to be coordinated. At all. It's as if God the Holy Spirit is just, you know, spewing all kinds of contradictory nonsense. Which begs the question, are any of these people 
actually hearing from God the Holy Spirit? Yeah, and one of the things we say here at Fighting for the Faith, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak out loud, audibly, read your Bible out loud. Or go to a church where the pastor reads the passage before he preaches on it. Yeah, then you will know with absolute certainty you are hearing from God. All right, we're up on our uh, second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, a Heath Mooney and sermon. I have decided to find my purpose. What a bunch of nonsense. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Living a life of purpose can't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Hi, Ridge Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Faith Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas, is having a Biblical Worldview Conference February 5th and 6th, 2016, with the theme, Standing Firm in a Hostile World, to help Christians in a culture that is increasingly hostile to biblical Christianity. Speakers will include Pastor David J. Weber, Attorney Mark Stern, Professor Alan Quist, Dr. Adam Francisco, and Pastor Joseph Abrahamson. Registration and details can be found at worldviewsa.org. Again, that's worldviewsa.org. Fighting for the Faith. Sermon review time. And this sermon review is probably going to convince you that being purpose-driven or finding your purpose, the way the seeker-driven guys are talking about it, it ain't biblical. It's not built on what God's Word actually says, but uh, let's do this right.
The good, the bad, and, well, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Ignite Church. Yeah, wow. Uh, Joplin, Missouri. Heath Mooneyhan presiding. And as I've already noted, Heath Mooneyhan will be preaching while wearing the green and gold sweatsuit from Notre Dame. I think he's sending a, a message to us. Not sure what the message is, though. I'm a little bit obtuse when it comes to American sports, especially college sports. But the name of the sermon is I Have Decided to Find My Purpose. Because we all remember that great hymn, I Have Decided to Find My Purpose. Yeah, so that's what we're going to be listening to. You may want to be seated for this. Let me go ahead and back off on the music, and without any further ado, here's <clears throat> the sermon, I've Decided to Find My Purpose, by Heath Mooneyhan. Here we go. Here's called I Have Decided. I've been talking the last couple of weeks. If you've missed it, I just encourage you to go online and, and check them out. I'm talking to you about four of the most important decisions that you can make. And, and before I get into today's message, I want to tell a story um, that was told in a, in a book. I, I like to read a lot of leadership books, and and, uh, you like to read a lot of leadership books. That, that's pretty much a waste of time. A uh, pastor needs to be studying the Word of God so they can rightly handle it and proclaim it correctly. Study shows. You know, think you're familiar with these things. Yeah, the Seeker Driven guys, they seem to OD, if you would, on um, leadership books. And you have to put that in quote. And thinking, oh, this is what I need to be doing. No, you really need to be reading your Bible. Pastor Craig Rochelle out of um, Life Church based out of Oklahoma City. Yeah, very familiar with him. Uh, Bible twister and seeker-driven guy, vision-casting leader. They have an experience room down, out there at uh, Life Church in Oklahoma City. He wrote a book a while back called It, and it's just an incredible book. I encourage you to read it. Now, he tells a story about a greyhound dog track down in Florida. I don't know if you've ever been to a dog race before. Now, notice, where are we getting this theology from? Now, when I was lecturing in uh, Norway... I started doing this with the Sola Scriptura lecture and continued in Sola Gratia and Sola Fide to uh, post a, um, a quote from the theologians of the Reformation era. And the quote in Latin is, uh, quod non est biblicum, non est theologicum. If it's not in the Bible, it's not theology. Yeah, that's just where we're going to go with this. Okay, so notice here, um, Mooneyhan in the uh, Notre Dame Green and Gold is saying that he's getting this from a leadership book by Craig Rochelle, and the name of the book is It, and it's talking about uh, uh, an event that happened at a dog track. Now, I mean, seriously, do, do any of you really think that we as Christians should get our doctrine and our theology from an event that one time occurred at a dog track? Just think about it. We continue. But... It it's a circle track and they drop the, the dogs, these little greyhounds all line up and, and they drop the gate whenever the, the gun goes off and, and these dogs start running and they're incredibly fast. But on the inside track, they have a, a little mechanical rabbit um, that actually runs out in front of these dogs and it keeps the dogs motivated and keeps them running. And so as the story goes, uh, the, the gun went off and the dogs took off and and everybody's just running. But before they got to the first bend, the rabbit exploded. And I thought it'd be kind of cool if it had, like, actual blood and stuff in it. But it didn't. You know, it's just fur and mechanics and stuff like that. And, and it just exploded and it stopped. And, 
And not one single dog finished that race. They all just kind of stopped and actually said they did a few different things. One dog uh, actually ran the railing on the interior track, actually ran through that. Didn't know what to do, so he ran through the track and, and broke a bunch of his ribs. Uh, oh, Peter's here. And uh, yeah, another one just turned around and started barking at the crowd, just going nuts at the crowd. So the rest of them just sat down and rested. I thought, not a crazy picture of life sometimes. If you, if you don't have a goal in mind, if you don't have a vision for your life, if something that you're chasing after to keep you motivated, it's just like a lot of people. If, if you don't have that vision in your life of what God wants to do in and through you. Yeah, if you don't have that vision for your life, you know, from that great parable of the dog track, you know, found in the uh, book of Hesitations. Yeah, chapter 96, I think. But I mean, seriously, notice here, we're not he's not reading a biblical text. Not one in context. And apparently, I mean, this is such a profound truth that God forgot to put the parable of the dog track in the Bible. And uh, it, thankfully, Craig Rochelle has, uh, you know, rescued God here and, you know, made sure that uh, the, the missing parable of the dog track is now found in the scriptures so that uh, we can all learn the important doctrinal lessons from it, you know. Then you, you end up hurting yourself, hollering at other people, or laying down and giving up. Yeah, just like one of those dogs, yeah. That's what a lot of people do in this life. I just, today I want to speak to you about having vision for your life. It's just Yeah, ha- so you, you need to be having some vision for your life, yeah. And if you don't, well, clearly you've, you've, you're just like a, a racetrack dog on a track where the rabbit blew up. Mm-hmm. It's imperative. It's one of the best decisions. It, to have vision, you have to decide that you're going to get vision for your life. Uh huh. And which passage in the scripture again talks about that important doctrine known as uh, the free will when it comes to asking God to have a you know to make the decision to have purpose for your life? Which passage is that from? You're following along in your notes. I've decided to find my purpose. We we start in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. I love this. This verse it says, "Where there's no- yeah, don't sit there and say you love Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Yeah, you don't get to say that. And there's a real simple reason why you don't get to say that is because if you loved that verse, you you know you'd actually spend a little bit of time paying attention to what that verse is really saying when we examine the context. So listen to what he says here. He's going to quote from the King James because everybody knows. Heath Mooneyhan is like a key, you know, KJV guy. No, he's really not. Vision, the people perish. Oh, where there's no vision, the people perish. There it is. Proverbs 29, 18 from the KJV, man. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Terrible, man. So um, watch what he does with this. People die. Yeah. Without vision. That's some of you live your life this way. Yeah, and you just said you love that verse, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Let me read it in context from the ESV. Here's what it says. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, comma, but blessed is he who keeps the Torah or the law. Oh, yeah. See, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Where do I look to find 
prophetic vision so that we don't cast off restraint? Well, Proverbs 29, 18 makes it very clear. This is not about making a decision to receive a direct revelation from God so that I can find my purpose. No, Proverbs 29, 18 is pointing us not to direct revelation, but to the written word of God. Keith Mooney, I I love this verse. Uh, No, you don't. You only quoted half of a sentence. If you love the verse, you'd quote the whole thing. You just exist. You just breathe air. You have no purpose. You have no vision. You just some of you describe your life like I feel like I'm dying. Like I, I wake up, I struggle through my day. Whatever troubles are there that day, I'm just surviving it instead of thriving in it. And I can't wait to go to bed. Bills are piling up. The kids are a mess. I have no real friends. I have no real purpose in my life. Yeah, see, all these problems, it's because you haven't made the decision to find your purpose. <laughs> wow. Yeah, what you're, some of the stuff you're describing sounds to me like the consequences of our sin. That's honestly the way some people feel. I'm just going through the motions. Life doesn't really matter. See, that word vision, in the Hebrew, it's the word kazon. Yeah, um, quoting a, at this point, looking at the semantic meaning of the Hebrew kazon is not going to help you here because you've totally ripped the context apart here and aren't paying attention to the second half of the verse. I have it in your notes there. It literally means a dream, a revelation, or a vision. Right, which is why when I read it from the ESV, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Yeah, that's what Chazon is talking about. Yeah, the prophetic vision. Right, but it's not saying that we are to expect to receive from God after we've made the decision, of course that we're supposed to receive a direct revelation from God to find our purpose. That is not at all what Proverbs 29 is saying. I'd ask you this question. Do you have one for your life? <laughs> I can just see somebody in the audience going, No, I don't. Oh, I've done, I've done wrong. I, I never made the decision to find my purpose. <laughs> well, God have mercy on me. Yeah, this is ridiculous. You have a dream or a vision for your life. Because when you do, it'll bring meaning to everything else in your life. If you just have a vision or a dream of of what you want to accomplish here on this short time on earth, it'll bring meaning to everything else. Yeah, again, Proverbs 29, 18 ain't talking about that because the the prophetic vision that we need, oh, that would be the written word of God. I've got three things here for you about vision. You follow along and take a note. The first is this. A vision for your life will bring focus. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. So, I mean, are any of these things that he's saying really uh, what God's Word says? No, not at all. I mean, he's already taken Proverbs 29, you know, 18 out of context, ignored the second half of the verse. He's pouring in his own meaning, you know, you know, at a rate that's quite alarming. And now he's making, hey, you know, you need to have one of these vis- these purpose thingies for your life because... You know, and now we're at, we're at the selling stage. Here's the whiff him part. And what's in it for me? Oh, well, let me tell you. 
You're, 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 it's going to bring focus to your life. Yeah, right, yeah. This is not at all a doctrine taught in Scripture. Vision for your life will bring focus. See, without focus, you'll say yes to almost everything. And you'll say no to almost nothing. Um, this is made evident in the, in the talks that we have with each other. What? How about God's word? Can you point me to a passage of God's word that in context actually says this? Quad non est biblicum, non est theologicum. If it's not in the Bible, it's not theology. I don't know what this is. We'll meet out in the lobby or where? How you doing? Oh, pretty good. Busy, you know. Tired. Well, heck yeah, you're tired. You know why? Because you're busy doing everything else in your life that doesn't contribute to your vision. Wow. Well, pack your bags. We're going on a guilt trip now. If you will stay focused on what's in front of you and your goal and your mission and your vision and your dream, you'll say no to everything else. Can I tell you something? If you don't have a vision for your life, other things, other things have vision for your life. You know hell has a vision for your life. It just does. Has a vision for your life. The the telemarketers, they have a vision for your life and your bank account. And credit card companies, they, they've got vision for your life. Fast food industry, they've got a vision for your life. It's be fat and dead early, <laughs> you know. It's, if you, yeah, that's what the uh, fast food industry is all about. They they like killing their customers and so that uh, they don't have any profits. Uh, have a vision for your life. You'll say yes to everything. It's it, nothing you really do matters, and so something will come along and say, "Hey, man, how about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I'll do that. What about this? Yeah, I'll take a little bit of that." People say yes to so many seemingly good things. And when you say yes to any good thing out there, you're saying no to a great thing. <laughs> oh, man. So heavy-handed on the law here, but it's not even biblical law. I mean, yeah, he's making them, you know, he's putting them under conviction, you know, but this is not the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. You're saying yes to a whole bunch of stuff you shouldn't be saying yes to because you need to only say yes to the things that are really going to focus on achieving your purpose, which you have to make a decision in order to, you know, to learn what it is. You need a vision for your life that hell can't pull you off of. Have a vision. I have a vision for this church. I have a vision for your family. Oh, yeah. This guy practices what he preaches. He's so spiritual. I knew before this before this church even started, it was just just me and my wife and, and Tim and a couple others, and we're just sitting around dreaming. I just remember one night going, "You, you were sitting around dreaming? What? <laughs> what is he talking about? It's like, yeah, it's like call my friends up, you know, that are in town. It's like, hey, you know, Sam, how'd you like to?" Uh, Come on over to my house. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. Um, oh, you want to know what we're going to do? Oh, yeah. Um, I thought, you know, you, you, you and your wife can come on over and, and uh, you know, you, me, and your wife. And why don't we invite uh, Bob, too, and, and Jimmy. And we can all sit around in my living room and we can, you know, just dream, man. Y- yeah. No, you're busy? Okay, yeah. 
No, it would. It really would be a lot of fun. I mean, you've never come over to my house just to, you know, kind of kick it and dream with me. That, you know, you're really, you really, yeah, um, you got the flu. Okay, yeah, but yeah. See, <laughs> yeah, just sitting around dreaming. Yeah, think I, I just, I'm just believing God for a church that multitudes and thousands of people's lives are, are saved and it'll literally change their family tree. I dream of a church where people every day are passing from death to life. Yeah, that would require you to preach law and gospel and to actually proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. So you're missing a great opportunity right now in this sermon to, you know, fulfill your the thing, the dream purpose thingy that you think you have for this church. And they find purpose and meaning and fulfillment in their life. I don't dream of a church where we just, it's too easy to come in and get a check mark. Yeah, I was there. What about living your life on purpose, for a purpose? Yeah, what about that? Yeah. And nothing's going to pull me off of this. this. Look, this is the stuff I was made for, you know? Yeah, he says nothing's going to pull me off of this while he's not even doing the thing he's said his, his purpose. Weird. Like nothing's going to pull me off this vision. I've been offered all kinds of crazy things. And can I tell you what? Some days it sounds pretty good. Sounds a lot easier than dealing with you guys. (laughs) It just does. And I would do a lot for a nine to five job. At the end of the day, it's an easy decision. An easy decision. Because I know that I'm, I'm fulfilled in doing what I was created to do. And God has something for each one of you the exact same. He said while not actually doing the thing he thinks that God told him to do. Weird. Vision for your life. Vision for your life will bring focus. The second is a vision for your life will bring endurance. Uh-huh. Some of you are so tired, you're about to give up. Have you noticed the supreme lack of God's word in this so-called sermon? You're about to give up on that job. You're about to give up on that relationship. Some of you may be even ready to give up on life, Period. You're just worn out. You're, you're tired. Vision for your life will bring endurance. The thing is, is when you see the goal line in view, you will keep going and you will develop endurance. Too many people have uh, unrealistic, like I'm, I'm a goal setter. Set a goal. You achieve that goal. You set another goal. You achieve that goal. Listen, if you don't have goals in your life, I prom- let me promise you one thing. You'll hit them every single time. You'll hit exactly where you're aiming at. You're aiming for nothing, that's what you're going to hit. Some people set goals in their life. It's just, what's your goal? I I don't know. My goal is just be rich and lazy. Yeah, what about all those uh, New Year's resolutions? Aren't those goals? Mm -hmm. What's the uh, accomplishment rate for people who set New Year's resolutions? Those are goals. Yeah, I mean, that, that, apparently those, you know, finish lines don't automatically lead to amazing results now, do they? Whatever, you're not even willing to work, you know, and so it's, these goals are so far out there. You ever, people who like to run when they're not being chased, they're strange to me. And, like, they take it a step further sometimes. They're like, let's see how far we can run. So they come up with the dumbest thing ever called a marathon. You know, what? No, I would be, you know, sucking air after the first mile, first of all, and be like, 
Where's the finish line? Well, you can't see that far ahead. Some of you have got goals that you can't even see and you're getting discouraged. <laughs> yeah, this sermon's discouraging me. Yeah, because it's not a sermon. Set goals where you can see the finish line. What, what, where's the goal line at that's visible in your life? You need to set some. Yeah, my goal is the eternal kingdom. Yeah, you know, on the other side of the eschaton. Eternal life, yeah. A vision for your life will also bring fulfillment. A vision for your life will bring fulfillment. Are you going to actually open up a biblical text and exegete it for us? I mean, you're wasting these people's time here. I think you're, some people are just looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. Yeah, it's like me looking for God's word in this sermon. Yeah, looking for God's word in all the wrong places. Ain't going to find it in Heath Mooney's face. Yeah, 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 yeah. we continue. Sorry. Everybody's got these crazy dreams of fame, money. I mean, I don't know what people are dreaming about, but. Those are usually the two big ones. They're just never fulfilled at the end of the day. There's always... What happens when you achieve fame? You always, there's always somebody more famous. What happens when you make a ton of money? There's always somebody that's got more money. That's you here. I just want to say, go do it. Go chase it. Chase the fame. Chase the money. Get stupid rich. You'll be back. You'll be back because you won't be fulfilled. And let me tell you something. This life, this life, it's so, so short. It's so short. It's over. Just like that. uh, There's nothing like being in your wheelhouse. There's nothing like doing exactly what you were. Yeah, there's like nothing like being in your wheelhouse. Says no biblical passage anywhere to do. It allows, knowing that I'm doing what I was created to do, it allows me no matter, all hell could break loose. And it does sometimes. Sometimes Tuesdays happen. You know, it's just just rough and it's raw. I can lay my head on my pillow every night and just, damn. Can't wait to see what God has for me tomorrow. Through all the ups and downs, if you're doing what you're called to do and having vision for your life, it'll bring fulfillment to your life. So where, I guess the question is, where does vision come from? And since you're in church, you probably know that vision comes from God. And so I'll save you that. But let's look at it in Scripture. Ephesians. Yeah, let's do that. Because so far, there hasn't been any biblical text in context that says any of the stuff you're saying. 11 puts it this way. It's in Christ. I love this. It's in Christ that we find out who we are, what we're living for. Yeah. Whoa. He just switched from the King James to the message. Yeah, that's a bad sign. <laughs> yeah. In other words, he doesn't care what God's word actually says. He's not actually interested in that. He's twisting God's word to make it look like God's word teaches these things. Yeah, this is the... Uh, Rick Warren uh, hermeneutical method, you know, go and find every and all kinds of paraphrases and translations and find the one that fits the theology you're trying to preach. 
because Proverbs 29, well, it didn't say what Heath Mooneyhan was uh, talking about. So, you know, then what? Well, yeah, well, we got to find other Bible passages that say something. So I know we'll go to the message. And if that doesn't work, we'll go to the good news translation. If that doesn't work, we'll look for the modern English translation. If that doesn't work, maybe the NIV. If that doesn't work, maybe the King James or New King James. Yeah, just make find the verse that fits what you're looking for in the translation, in any translation. doesn't matter which one. You know, <clears throat> that's what he's doing. Here's what it says in the ESV. In Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Yeah, when you read it in a good translation, it ain't saying what Heath Mooneyhan is saying here. We continue. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. You ever feel that way sometimes? I don't get people that say, they take a lot of time off, say, what are you doing? I'm just trying to find myself. Well, first of all, I've never lost myself. I've always known where I'm at. Yeah, um, Hebrews one eleven is not talking about us finding our purpose. Let me read it again. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him. Yeah, this has to do with God's predestining us. It has to do with election, if you really want to get technical. It has nothing to do with finding your purpose. Have you ever asked yourself the question... Really, like, who am I? Like, what, why am I here? What, why was I created? If you can answer that, it'll bring meaning to everything in your life, and it can only be found. I, I apparently was created to expose the Bible twisting of false teachers like Heath Mooneyhan. Strange purpose indeed. Can't be found in anything else but Christ. There's temporary solutions to that. There's titles. There's positions. It's not really who you are and why you were created. You see, God had something for you to do, then he created you. He did. What? What text says that? Ephesians 1.11 doesn't say that. I create you and then say, I don't know what I'm going to do with Bob. Better give him just a leftover something. No, he had something that he wanted you to do. It's up to you. And it's, it's his pleasure. The Bible says it's his pleasure to, to hide these things from us. So your purpose is like an Easter egg and God's, you know, out there hiding the Easter eggs. You, you know, you, but you got to ask him so that you can help. He can help you find it. I, I don't know where he's getting this stuff. To keep him and for us to discover them. He loves it whenever we go out and he'll reveal it to us. We just have to go on a journey of discovering why it is that we were. And so, yeah. Have you have you made the decision to go on the journey of discovery to find out your purpose? You have to go to God to find all of this out. See, here's what there's no lack or shortage of at Ignite. Trying really hard. I was just a bunch of blue-collar, roughneck, salt-of-the-earth people. And there's no lack of determination. There's no lack of will. I don't think trying hard's the problem. 
All the discipline sometimes is there. You just got to ask yourself. Go back to 2004. The Olympic Games. It was held over in Athens. The Americans had a, a ringer, man, in one event. We had a sharpshooter named... So now we're going to get more of our theology from everyday life experiences. Now from the Olympics, right, yeah. Yeah, this is no place to get Christian doctrine from. Matthew Emmons. This guy was the best in the world. I mean, they're shooting, and then they're sharpshooting. These guys could drive brad nails at 50 yards. And he was the best in the world at it. And so there was this event over there... The, the three-position, three 15-meter shot. And each round went by, and, and Matthew was just performing at the highest level that anybody had ever seen. By the time the final round got there, he was so far ahead that all he had to do was hit the target anywhere. And he was going home with gold. It was done. And so the moment came where he stand up 15 yards, had the rifle up, he learned to slow his breathing, squeeze between heartbeats. I mean, not even a flinch anywhere. The moment came, he squeezed the trigger. Pow! Bullseye. Wrong target. True story, look it up. You ever feel like that? And you feel like you're, you're just, you're doing all the right things, you're Yeah, kind of like this sermon. Yeah, bullseye, but your job is to actually preach the word. Yeah, weird. He's not doing that at all. So he's just shooting at the wrong target. I'm just going to be honest with you. It could all be for nothing in the end. He went from first place to eighth place, no medal. Oh, some of you, it's just like being right. Some of you can be right. You can be dead right. There's a big difference. Tried all these other places and still coming up empty. God wants to reveal to you, though, his purpose. See, I believe God wants four things for everybody. Yeah, you believe God wants four things for us. Um, Well, in order for that to be true, it has to actually be written down in the Word of God called the Bible. In other words, if this is true, then all Christians need to believe that God wants four things for us. God wants everybody saved. He does. He wants everybody saved. No matter what you're going through, he, he just he cares about you. He wants to get you out of the mess that you're in. He wants to, to, to save you. All right. It's not his will that any should perish. Got it. Okay. In the Old Testament, Exodus, I've actually taught on this before. It was the promises, the four I wills, this is what we base our church off of. He wants everybody saved. He says, I'll be your Lord. I will bring you out of Egypt. So God wants to bring you out of Egypt. He wants to bring you out of, of sin. So he wants you saved. And then God wants you restored. God wants you to restored. I don't know if you've ever seen a restoration on a car. It gets cleaned up and it gets put back to almost better than new, sometimes better than new. Uh, okay, so um, God wills for our sanctification. I think you can make a biblical case for that, Heath. Why don't you try to do that from the Bible? 
So he wants to, he got you out of Egypt, got you out of sin. Now he has to get all the Egypt out of you and get all that worked out. And then he wants you redeemed. And to be redeemed, it's... And then he wants me redeemed. Okay, um, see, um, now we're messing with categories here because the first one, in order for us to be saved, we have to already have been redeemed, purchased, bought, you know, and that's accomplished through the blood of Christ. To help you discover what you were created for. Uh, yeah, redemption. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, biblically, redemption is, you know... Has something to do with Christ's atoning work on the on the cross. Has something to do with his bu- blood, and has something to do with like going from slavery to being adopted as sons. Um, has nothing to do with finding your purpose. Oh man! To redeem you, he's created you uniquely with a unique personality. Some of you are really unique personality, and and great spiritual gifts to fulfill his purpose. And then the fourth thing that he wants for you is fulfillment. Uh. So redemption and fulfillment are the two that just don't make any sense at all. The first one makes sense. The second one clearly has something to do with our sanctification. The third, no, no, no. And the fourth, I have no idea where he's getting any of this stuff here. And this is what happens when you make up your own doctrine and your own theology and you don't actually preach and teach what God's Word says. Once you saved, restored, redeemed, and fulfilled... And I truly believe with all my heart, you will never experience fulfillment until you're on a team with other people who have been saved, restored, and redeemed, making a difference in this world for the cause of Christ. Uh, Oh, this is painful. So God wants those four things. Yeah, no, two of them I would say yes. Two of them, like, no at all. And you're sitting there saying God wants these things. Half of what you said is like patently false, easily debunked if you just read your Bible. Your life. So today I want to focus on the third one, the redemption. Uh, redemption has nothing to do with finding your purpose. I have decided today to find my purpose. And when you do, it changes everything. We're going to hang out in Ephesians chapter 5 for just a second here. Hey, we're going to hang out in Ephesians 5. I don't think you're going to do this correctly. It says, for, for, want, for you were once darkness. You were. You're in Christ Jesus now. It doesn't even matter. You were once darkness. Everybody has dark places. It says, but now you're... Yeah, notice you're starting at verse 8 in chapter 5. For you were once darkness. Doesn't that sound just on the surface of it like you're actually giving us something to do that's in the middle of a thought that the Apostle Paul there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, for you were once darkness. That's like begging for context. By the way, the three rules for sound biblical exegesis are context, context, and context. Yep, they are. So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 5. We'll start at verse 1 and see if we can figure out what's going on in verse 8. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Ah, yeah. See, the Apostle Paul takes some time to actually preach the gospel. For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not of yourself. Things like that going on in the earlier chapters. As a result of all of this, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love. See, the reason why Christians do their good works is because they are Christians. 
not in order to become a Christian, but because they are already Christians. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality, all impurity or covetousness, must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Now verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So you'll notice here that verse 8 is in the context of not being sexually immoral or impure or covetous. Yeah, that's what that's talking about there. So uh, Heath Mooneyhan now has made it so that verse 8 is all about redemption, and by redemption he means finding your purpose, which is not what Scripture teaches at all. Light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Live as children of the light and find out what pleases the Lord. It says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. What's the fruitless deeds of darkness? Everybody's got dark stuff going on in our life. Some of us got secret stuff going on that maybe nobody else knows about. It's just us or maybe just a, a small group of people. It's just, ah, man, I wouldn't want my grandma knowing that, you know, or Jesus especially. Well, we... The deeds of darkness are going on. Jesus sees it all. He says, what do you do with it? It says, have nothing to do with them, but rather expose them. For it's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by light becomes visible. For it's the light that makes everything visible. That's why it said, wake up. I believe if Jesus was talking to you right now, for a lot of people it would be, wake up. It's biblical to lay hands on people. And I want to do that to a few of you. Bam! Wake up! Uh, yeah, and he's talking about waking up in the context of finding your purpose. Really? It's not what this text is saying at all. Walking around like zombies with drool coming out your mouth. So many... Talents. So much potential. I'll just kept hid. I'm not good enough, and I'll always amount to this. It says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It says, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Every opportunity. Opportunity that literally means there's a, a, a window of time. And for some of you today, you're going to have that opportunity. The window of opportunity is opening up 
right before your eyes today. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That word debauchery, uh, in its simplest translation, it means to indulge in your senses. So your senses, whether it's your appetite or your feelings or emotions. If you're driven by your emotions or your feelings, honey, you're a hot mess. This series is called I Have Decided. It's a decision, not a feeling or an emotion. It says instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's several instructions in that passage of Scripture. So so I'm going to just break it down really simple for you and give you three questions to ask yourself and to answer. The first one is this. What am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? What am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? Would that be sin, or are you talking about somehow living my life in a way contrary to the purpose I'm supposed to receive once God helps me find the Easter egg because he's hidden it, you know? Truth is, some of you are living a life, quite honestly, that you were never intended to live, and you know it, and you hate it. You're just living a life that you were never intended to live. I'll tell you this, expose the junk in your life. Just do it. This is not what Ephesians 5 means. What is this? Expose the junk and stop hiding in the dark. Stop hiding behind the dark. Some of you are scared to do that. I understand why. I don't know what other people are going to think of me, man, if they knew this about me or that. Can I just, out of all the places you could be, I'm just kind of partial to this place. I'm going to sit here and say, if you're jacked up, you're in pretty good company. I mean, yeah, this isn't group therapy. If we're talking about sin, well, what does Scripture say? We say we have no sin. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, I think. Um, let's see if he gets to that. I mean, here he's talking about all these messed up, or how do you say, jacked up people. Let's, are we going to get to the forgiveness of sins? Dad, gum. That's why some of you, let's just be really honest, this kind of hurts me a little bit. That's why some of you like this church, because the preacher's really messed up. You're like, man, he's a jack wagon. Right. Uh, DUI and then restored to ministry really quickly. Super de duper quickly. <laughs> I love you too, you know. It's, but we're all messed up. We're all just trying to get through it. Doesn't, man, don't let your pride keep you from exposing some stuff and just dealing with it. Crazy how many people just hide in the dark. But when you do expose it, God's purpose for your life will be revealed. Let's see this in Scripture. We see it in Romans 12 too. It says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Basically means, don't be worldly. Some of you just... (laughs) So as soon as you expose the stuff in your life that's bad, then God's going to reveal his purpose to you. That is not what Romans 12, 2 is saying. (laughs) Not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say anything there about finding your purpose once you expose the sin in your life. 
up in everything. Caught up in Hollywood, caught up in music, caught up in the stock market, caught up in what? Just worldly. You live and die by the world. It says, don't be so worldly. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? You got to spend time in the Word. And you got to spend time on your face before God in prayer. He'll actually renew your mind. And then it says, then, I like to say only then, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. We swerve to the right or left. Keep your, keep your foot from evil. What are you doing that you shouldn't be doing? Whatever that is, fix it. Stop. Second one's this. What am I not doing that I should be doing? This is the rougher one, I think, for a lot of us. So if you're sinning, just fix it. Stop. I thought the Christian solution to sin is repent. Be forgiven because Christ has bled and died for those sins. Here, let's pull yourself up by your bootstrap and you know, just try harder and clean up your act there, boy. What am I not doing that I should be doing? God's going to give you some opportunities. My biggest, One of my biggest fears in life is that I'm going to miss another opportunity. You see, I didn't, I've only been saved for about 10 years. And you're a pastor. Mm, have been for several years. That explains a lot. I was like, man, what a, what a waste. The first 27 years, you know. I don't want to miss another opportunity. Some of you are going to have an opportunity today, literally in front of you today, to go all in with Jesus. I mean, it, yeah, you're, you're doing the church thing. Yeah, you're, you're doing the whatever. You could be doing the, the serving thing. You would be doing the giving thing. You would be doing it all together, but you're just... You're just not all in. Your life literally doesn't belong to Christ. Yeah, so you're not all in. Yeah, that's that's how you become a Christian. Just go all in. <laughs> Says no biblical text anywhere. Doesn't revolve around him at all. Good news is some of you, you're going to have an opportunity to say, today's the day. I've decided I'm going to go all in with Jesus. Okay, so my favorite book in the Bible is James. It's the, it's the rawest book in the Bible, I think. I mean, he just doesn't pull any punches. I guess you can do that when you're Jesus' brother. You don't care what, what polls you're leading. You know what I'm saying? And he just gives it to you like it is. And James says this in chapter 4, verse 17. It says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Anyone knows it's good. Yeah, that's true. That's what that text says. What's the solution for our sins? Crucified and risen Savior. Repent, be forgiven. See if he gets to the gospel here. So now the heavy-handed law. He doesn't do it. Sins. So what are you not doing that you should be doing? I'm just going to. Are you going to uh, tell them that Christ has bled and died for those things they're doing they shouldn't be doing? Otherwise, what's the point of this exercise? You don't need me to tell you this. I don't need to tell you what to do or what you shouldn't be doing. You already know this. You live with it. Let me uh, 
Let's give you a few things that I could maybe help you out on. This is it. We've been in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is the last week of it coming up. So we meet here every, every morning at 7 a.m. Maybe some of you need to make, what are you not doing that you should be doing? Maybe it's more prayer. Maybe it's dedicating this first part of the year to the Lord. Hop on in. Some of you say, well, that's late. It's early. It's whatever. Some of you say it's early. I, I get it. I, my alarm gets set for 530 every morning too. It's life. It's a funny thing. The more I live of it, the more I, I realize how, how precious and short it really is. Maybe there's some things that you should be doing that you shouldn't be doing. Or maybe there's some things that you're not doing that you should be doing. I'll just encourage you. So you're going to basically have them look inside, find sin, and then you're not going to point them to Christ. That That's like criminal, dude. Spend some time with God in prayer. Come and join us. Join us wherever you're at. Give the first part of your day and the first part of your year to God. There's some other stuff going on. Hey, today's a perfect day. Why don't we do a few things around here? One of them is the growth track. You heard about it in the promo video earlier. Today's the fun day out of all of it, too. <laughs> this is the day where we give you a, a personality profile and spiritual gifts assessment. And it's just so cool to see people... As they go through that and as they're discovering their gifts, and that's why we call it Discovery 301, to sit there and go, dang, I never really, I kind of feel like I know who I am. I kind of, wow, I have these gifts. I didn't know I had them. And then we'll help team you up in different areas in the body of Christ that that those gifts can be used. And we help try to get you plugged in. So I just encourage you, if you don't have anything going today, which I know you got, what, a football game and something. Can I just tell you, oh, you don't understand, Pastor, it's the playoffs. The playoffs will be around next year. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't matter. Carve an hour out of your time to, to do that, to discover your gifts. Another thing is the dream team. It's incredible people that work behind the scenes. Yeah, that, that dream team is going to really help you clean up your act. Um, yeah, notice the problem is sin. The solution is you, not Jesus. Wow. Total confusion of law and gospel here. Each and every week, behind the scenes, out front lines, wherever, to make this this place run. I, I, I said it earlier, but I truly believe that you'll never experience a fulfilled life until you're on a team of people making a difference for the kingdom of God. Get plugged in, get involved. There's nothing like serving somebody else. I love it. I have four kids. My two oldest last night, they, they went down. There's a great ministry in, down in the Osho called Hope Kitchen. They provide free meals to the community and all this kind of stuff. And so my two older kids, me and my wife, couldn't go with them last night. But Kendall and Elijah, they wanted to go serve. And so I don't know if you know my son Elijah, but he's a little out there and just, you know, it's like herding cats, you know. And and, and I was kind of nervous as a dad, you know. Um, so I gave him the dad speech, you know. It goes a little something like this. You embarrass the family, I'll kill you. And, uh, oh, dad, I'll do good. I'll do good. And uh, so he went, and I was asleep by the time they got home and all this kind of stuff. And I'm in uh, my bathroom this morning brushing my teeth, and my pal Elijah comes in there. And I said, how did your night go, son? And he says, that was incredible. This is incredible. He pats me on the back, brush my teeth. He pats me on the back and says, you'd be so proud of me, Dad. 
I said, yeah, why is that? He says, all right, they said that I was one of the best servers they'd ever seen. And the boss lady there told me that I could come back and serve whenever I want. And says, Dad, I love serving. That's what I was made to do. I love serving people. I said, I couldn't be any more proud of you, son. And so that's just incredible. You'll never know that feeling until you get off your blessed assurance and serve somebody else. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Small groups are coming up. We're going to have a, yeah, I think it's incredible. Woohoo! You can cook good. Invite me to yours. And yeah, small groups where everybody stand, sits around, and, you know, on couches and things like that. And then somebody reads a Bible verse and then asks the person, what does it mean to you? Rather than actually explaining what the text actually means. Now, you got to be plugged into a community. This life's too short not to go through with, with other people. We're, we have the directory coming out for the spring semester next week. Sign up. Get plugged in, get involved. Some of you, you need to just start leading. You do. There, there's nothing that pays me more to see all. You gotta, you gotta. You, so the problem's you, and then you gotta, you gotta fix it. You, you, you. No Christ. Wow. Talents and the gifts and everything just kind of be wasted. So many great leaders here, but you're so timid. Like a child, almost. What are you scared of? Oh, other people might see how jacked up you are. Here's what I've learned in life. The most qualified people to lead jacked up people are people who are jacked up themselves. You know why? Because it makes everybody else in the room breathe a little bit easier. You know what you're going to find in small groups? Well, the first week or two, you're going to be like, I don't even know if I like these people. It's weird. It smells weird. You know, they have a cat. All this kind of stuff. <laughs> then you're going to be like settling in like it's kind of cool. And I've really got some junk I need to work through. And, you, and you're just going to, you're going to expose that thing in your life that you're scared to expose. And, and you know what's going to happen though? You're going to throw it out there. You know what everybody else in the group's going to do? Go, me too. I'm glad you said that. I'm going through the same thing, bud. Let's work through this together. Small groups, communities is so, so important. Maybe some of you, your, your, your next big step with God is water baptism. They all got baptized when I was a kid. That was cute. What about after you decided to follow Jesus, though? That's the biblical baptism. Yeah. Um, what's the purpose of baptism there, dude? Um, yeah, I'm not finding what you're saying about baptism in the Bible. If you've decided to give your life to Christ and you haven't been water baptized since then, that you're commanded to in Bible to follow the example of Christ in water baptism. Good. Uh, no, no. Yeah, he doesn't have a good theology of baptism either. For you, Next week we're water baptizing people. We've already got... Close to 30 people signed up to get water baptized next week. You might as well make it 40 or 50 or 100. You know what I'm saying? Just, hey, come to church dry. We'll send you home wet. It'll be a great day in Jesus' name. You know? It'll be cold. It'll be walking out with the ice. I did it for Jesus. Hey, for some of you, honestly, this is the rough ones where I'm going to lose 95% of you. Maybe you just need to step up in, in giving. Oh, yeah. That's... Mm. Yeah, that'll really help me clean up my act. Just give more money, yeah. Especially to Heath Mooneyhan, the guy who doesn't even preach Christ. Well, saying he has a dream for, you know, the kind of church that, you know, uh-huh, right. Pastor, I like getting wet. I don't like opening up my wallet. But here's the reason. Honestly, if you've been saved by Jesus Christ, there's two reasons why you don't give. There's only two. And if you have more than, than two, I would love to talk to you afterwards and convince you that there's only two. 
Um, the first one's this. You're just strapped. You're just flat out broke. You ain't got nothing to give. Your life is, is running you ragged. Well, there's good news for that. We, we provide financial coaching here. Financial Peace University. There's actually a form in your, in your uh, handout. You can fill that out right now. Actually, you should. If you're broken, you're strapped, and you haven't went through Financial Peace University. Actually, if you have went through it, you're still broken, strapped. You need to go through it again because you didn't get it the first time. And you need to get control of your finances so you're not so stinking broke all the time. And you have to say no to the most important thing in your life. What's the second reason? So the re- the reason why you want people to you know, get on a financially stable path is so they can give money to your church. Yeah, that that's just... <laughs> wow, we don't really care about you. We just want you to be able to give to our church, right? Okay. you got a wicked heart. And you'd rather extend God a middle finger than you would his tithe. Anyways, that's... Yeah, what... uh, under the New Covenant, there is no command to tithe, sir. It's popular to say. And uh, <laughs> Matthew 6.34 says, Give your entire attention to what God's doing right now. What God's doing right now, right here in this moment, in front of you, right in front of your face, what he's doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard thing. Yeah, we're now we're, at, we're in the Sermon on the Mount from the message. Yeah, he's switching translations like some people change their uh, T-shirts, you know. Up when the time comes. Then we get all spazzed out. and I, I played this game, so I know where you're coming from. There was a there was a time in my life where I said, I, there will be a day where I'll completely sell out to God. I knew it for years. I just don't want to right now, God. Because that means it's not about me, myself, and I. And I like me, myself, and I right now. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next year. I'll do it. Law, 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 law. Says, now's the time. Now's the moment of your salvation. The time's here. Uh, you haven't said anything about Christ really bleeding and dying for us since. How can this be the moment of salvation? Now, and so I just want to leave you with this question. We'll close. Why not do it today? Do what? Ask God to give me my purpose? Why not do it today? Whatever's going on in your life. Some of you are having a great week. Some of you are having the worst week of your life. Some of you are just kind of floating through it. God has a purpose for your life, and he wants to reveal it to you. And the time for that is right now. You bow your heads. Let me pray. Yeah, no, sorry. You don't get to pray for us, Heath. Wow, that was just an utter train wreck. Total confusion of law and gospel. Didn't really preach the gospel at all. Made up uh, two things that apparently God wants for us. He said he had four things that God wants, but two of them were like just nonsense made up by Heath Mooneyhan. And of course, then we got the famous dog track story, you know, we're supposed to apparently get our theology now from the fact that, uh, you know, of this incident regarding the dogs. Yeah. That's no place to get our theology and doctrine from at all. Yeah. You get the point. Unfortunately, Heath's preaching. Yeah. Yeah. It's typical. It's typical American seeker driven evangelical. It's not Christian. There's nothing Christian about what he preached at all. The doctrine that he gave was twisted from God's word. It wasn't rightly handling God's word. Many of the th- the points that he was making at were well, and the, the theology that he was getting this you know 
for the sermon were from everyday life experiences and things like that, actually not from God's word. And then he utterly confused law and gospel, made it so he correctly identified sin as our problem, but the solution, well, it's up to you to make, you know, you got to go to a small group, you got to tithe, and you got to, you got to, you got to. The solution to your sin is you, not Christ. No power there whatsoever in helping somebody produce the fruit of the Spirit in their life. Because this preaching leaves people dead in trespasses and sin. Think about it. All right, we're at the end of another edition of Fighting for the Faith. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fire Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at Pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.